0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life changing, ever growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, everybody. I'm so excited to see everybody in the room, and thank you for joining if you chose to join with us online. uh, I want to just kick off uh, this last portion of our series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, The question I'm answering this week is what is the mission? of the Holy Spirit, but before I um, do that, I want to just kind of share a, a funny story that I believe will tie into the message pretty well. Um, so one of my best friends, his name is Devin. Um, we're the same age. We've grown up together our whole life. Um, we've, we've been best friends for forever, and we're pretty boring. Like, we, we like to play video games. Like, we're, we're, there's nothing like it super exciting, exhilarating about our personal lives. We're, we're pretty low key. Um, And one day, not too long ago, we decided we wanted to to, to add a little bit of drama to our lives. So we decided to watch the most ridiculous TV show that we could possibly find, reality TV show. And I'll tell you the name, and you'll already kind of get a feel for what I'm talking about. The name of the show was called Married at First Sight. So in this show, and Married at First Sight in this show, um, one contestant will meet with this love expert, Her name is Pepper and I honestly, I can't make this up so they call her Dr. Pepper in the show. Um, You meet, one one person meets with Dr. Pepper, the love expert and she finds you your perfect match. And the first time you see your spouse is the moment where the the bride is walking down the aisle. And it's this very kind of humorous moment because she walks down the aisle and then the two of them like shake hands and say, it's nice to meet you, you know? And then you get married. And uh, after that, you spend the next eight weeks or two months asking the question, do I want to stay married to this person or do I legally want to get a divorce with this person? It, it's, it's a ridiculous drama TV show. If you're looking for some drama in your life, check it out. Um, but the, the whole point I'm, I'm saying this is because I think a, that's something that's honestly pretty true about a lot of people who would call themselves Christians too. A lot of Christians have had this, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, have had this encounter, this, this moment where we met the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit impacted us, and we made the decision, I want to follow Jesus. And then from there, we have to now figure out, what did, what did I say yes to? What have I committed my life to? And we're, we should, as Christians, be for the rest of our life learning about our relationship with God and with the Holy Spirit. It's something that we should be doing. I believe the Christian life is actually a lot like the premises of the show Married at First Sight. Um, I want to I kick off just by kind of recapping a little bit about what's already been said in the first two weeks. And Brandon kicked us off with who is the Holy Spirit. And uh, he gave us, because the Bible is written, broken up into the Old Testament and the New Testament, he gave us the two words, the Hebrew word and the Greek word, Um, for the word Holy Spirit. And the word Holy Spirit is not actually, I mean, you'll see the words Holy Spirit in the Bible, but the word Holy Spirit better translates to the word wind. So when you see the Holy Spirit, the best translation of the words for Holy Spirit are actually the word wind. So I want to give you a couple examples. Um, In the Old Testament, which is written in the Hebrew language, we have the word ruach. That's the word for Holy Spirit. Brandon already told you that. The best definition of the word ruach is wind, Breath or exhalation. That's literally what the word translates to. I think that the translators, when they, wrote, when they tried to translate the Bible, just said the word wind doesn't really make sense. God the Father, God the Son, and the wind. That, so they, I think they tried to connect it to, say, the Holy Spirit. That's, that's probably why that was written that way. An example of the word ruach comes from the very beginning of the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surfaces of the deep. And the <sighs> of God was hovering over the waters. So that's the Old Testament word, ruach. In the New Testament, which is primarily written in the Greek language, we get the word pneuma, which translates to current of air, a blast of breath, or a strong breeze, or a strong wind. Um, one example, uh, that's actually also where we get the word pneumonia. Pneumonia. Uh, one example of that is in John chapter six. It says, "The gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the and life." Now, hearing that, it doesn't make it doesn't feel like it makes any sense. And I want to spend a little bit of portion of time talking about the con- the the connections that the Holy Spirit has with the wind, because I believe that the wind and the Holy Spirit actually have a lot of um, similarities. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about four commonalities that wind and the Holy Spirit share. So if you're taking notes, the first point is one, wind is unseen. And again, like I already said earlier, I don't think that we're Christians. Most of the people in this room would probably not say, I'm a Christian because I heard this argument or heard this one point that made me decide I want to follow after Jesus. Maybe some of you are, and God bless you. That, 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 that's how God encountered you. But I would say most of the people who would identify as a Christian in this room had an actual encounter with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, it wasn't something that you, you learned some knowledge, and you, you then decided to be a Christian. It's that you felt the presence of God, and that's what made you want to become a Christian. You felt the love that God has for you, and you said, that's what I want. And the Bible makes it clear, like the Holy Spirit, that's how he moves. He doesn't move always in our minds. He moves through experience. That's why, the, that's why they translated wind to Holy Spirit. You feel the wind. It's unseen, but you can still feel it. In the book of John chapter 14, uh, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, the world cannot accept him because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he lives with you and he lives in you. You experience him. That's how we know him. It's not because we see him. It's because we experience him. There's another example um, about just that, that God is, is all about experiences, too, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge, experiential knowledge. Uh, there's a time where on the Sabbath day, which is a day designated for rest, um, the, the, these religious leaders would say, if you did any work on that day, you would be sinning. And Jesus, on the Sabbath day, saw somebody who was blind. And he's, he goes up to this man, and he gives him sight. He heals the man. And uh, in that moment, this, the guy can see, and Jesus leaves. And then these religious leaders, these Pharisees, approach this man, and they're trying to like, accuse Jesus. And they're trying to figure out who Jesus really is. They're like, you know, is he the Christ? Is he a sinner? Like, Tell us everything you know about this Jesus guy and their response this man this blind man's response was whether he's a sinner or not i do not know there's one thing that i know i was blind but now i see and it's again it's not about the knowledge it's not about the head knowledge it's about the experiential knowledge that he encountered jesus and that changed his life i believe that when we encounter the unseen holy spirit he has the power to move in your life so one wind is unseen Number two, wind is unpredictable. So there's a lot of times where people who are Christians will just get really content with the way their spiritual life is going. That they're happy coming to church, sitting in the same seat, which that's me. I, always, I normally always sit right there. I sat here because I wanted to mix it up because I'm preaching about it. I should probably practice it. We sit in the same seat. We, we come, we hear a message. And we talk to the same people. We do the same thing. We have the same routines every single day. And nothing about our life, our spiritual life, is any different than any other day. And that's not how the spirit of God operates. I put it this way. God only appeared to one person in the Bible through a burning bush. It was Moses. He only ever did it to one person, because he always speaks to people in different ways. Now, imagine if Moses would have decided, you know what? I know for a fact that God speaks to people through burning bushes, so I'm going to start the first church of the burning bush. And anybody else who's had a burning bush experience is welcome to come to my church. He would be the only person, and he would have never made a real impact because God's God's not this God in a box that does things the exact same way every time. He always mixes things up. So if you're looking for a God who who does things the same way every time, you're, you're gonna, a Christian, the Christian life is going to mess you up for real. The Bible puts it this way. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. And just keep that verse up real quick. You see the word wind at the beginning of the passage and the word spirit at the end of the passage both words are the word pneuma. This is the only time in scripture where the word pneuma is translated to the word wind and not to the word spirit. It's the only time. I just thought it was interesting. But I believe if you like your faith orderly, he's going to mess, mess your life up. He's going he's gonna to change you. Number three, wind is powerful. A slight breeze has the power to move a big ship. And a big wind has the power to destroy an entire city. I believe wind is very powerful, and I believe the same thing's true about the Holy Spirit. The Bible puts it this way. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes onto you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth I believe that in order to accomplish the mission that God has set up for each one of us in this room, we can't do it on our own. We can't even just do it with our brother or sister in Christ. We have to include the Holy Spirit in what's going on in our life. If you want to see God really move, that's why we we pray and that's why we... Read and try to understand our Bible so we can see, man. I, when, you, when, we, when we read our Bible, we say, man, I can understand what God's trying to do in my life. And when we pray, we unleash the Holy Spirit onto our circumstances. It's just this there's this extra power that comes when we believe in God and when we let the Holy Spirit do the work and when we don't try to do the work on our own. I, I kind of compare it to like. Me trying to do something on my own would be like me trying to beat LeBron James in a game of basketball. It's just, there's no chance. We have to let the Holy Spirit's power move for us, and we have to move with the Holy Spirit. It has to be something we do together with the Holy Spirit. We have to include Him. I just randomly stumbled upon this song last week. It's called, Holy Spirit, Welcome. And I wanted to read you guys the lyrics. Um, it says, "Holy Sp-, the chorus, it says, Holy Spirit, welcome. Jesus, have your way. One moment in your presence can change everything. That's powerful. And then it goes on and says, why wait for tomorrow to lift these hands in faith? Right now, our hearts are open. And then this last portion is, I believe, uh, the reason I wrote this down. Don't leave us the same. I hope that when you come into church every week, you ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, don't let me leave the same person as I was when I walked into church today. Because if we, if we attend a church service, hear a moving message, and we even have that kind of heart tug from God, and nothing changes about our life, we wasted an hour of our week. We've already wasted it the, the first, one of the first hours of our week. We have to say, man, God, use this message Every week, use this message to do something in my heart and cause me to change every single week. Don't let, me st- don't let me leave the same person as I was when I walked in here. The Holy Spirit has the power to do that. And the next point, number four, wind is refreshing. I'm a runner, so I definitely know this. But you don't have to be a runner to know this, that on a hot day when you're working outside, a nice breeze has the power to just change your entire mood. That maybe some of you guys work in the garden in and, and hot summer days, and then you get this breeze, and you just kind of like go like this to like experience the, the breeze because it's just so refreshing and it just changes uh, how you were feeling in that moment. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has the power to do that in your heart and soul right now. He has the, he has the power to, to give refreshment to your soul. That some of you guys probably came into church tired, weary. Burdened and broken, and God has the power to to give you that refreshing experience of of his peace. He has some fresh peace for you today. And I believe that some of us need that right now. The Holy Spirit wants the God wants to breathe his Holy Spirit in a refreshing way in your soul today. The Bible puts it this way Now the Lord is the Spirit, and then hear this where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's powerful. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, here's this part, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. I believe that God has every intention today of breathing his Holy Spirit into your life, giving you peace, but giving you freedom from those areas that have bound you up and transforming you to be more like him today. Those are the two things God wants for you. He wants freedom from the areas that have bound you up, and he wants to transform your life to make you look more like him today. Not too long ago, I got to hang out with a friend of mine who, um, in the past, we'd actually had this moment where we were kind of in the same struggle. We were struggling with some of the same things in life, and He's not a Christian, and, and I am a Christian, and his, he didn't know how to deal with this, this, these issues that he was facing, and I just told him, man, I said, if you keep going down this route trying to figure this out on your own, it's going to kill you, man. It's going to kill you. You've got to let the Spirit lead you because I feel so much peace right now in the midst of this struggle, and, and my friend didn't feel any peace and it it really put set him back years in life because he couldn't deal with this issue on his own. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has fresh peace for everybody who's leaning into him and surrendering to him. He's got fresh peace for you. I wanna take, I'm gonna transition to the second portion of my message. I wanna talk about the moment where the 12 disciples or at this time, the 11 disciples because Judas had betrayed Jesus, the, the, the moment where the 11 disciples actually received the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead, and now he's reappeared to the disciples, and this is what he says. With that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's another version of that story in the book of Acts, and it says, on one occasion... While Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This portion where Jesus looks at him and says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, there's a, a passage in scripture Where Jesus is having a conversation with the twelve disciples, and he just he just like they're walking down this road, and he just stops them, and he says, "Who do like you guys have been telling people telling people about me? Who do other people say that I am? Like what do other people say about me?" And one of the disciples said. Well, some people say that you are like a reincarnation of Elijah. Some people think you're like Moses, come back to life. Like everybody's, they give all these answers about who Jesus is. And then Jesus looks at him and is like, well, who do you think that I am? And his response is, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And God says, you're right. You have this knowledge because God gave it to you. Now, don't tell anybody. And I would, you know, if I was the pastor, Pastor Jesus, in this moment, I would want everybody to know the truth about who I am. But Jesus is like, don't tell anybody, which seems very counterintuitive to his mission. But we get to this portion of scripture, and if we could get that verse back on the screen. Um, It says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, and he says something very similar. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. I think the reason Jesus is like, don't tell anybody, and he's like, don't leave Jerusalem, like don't go preach preach the gospel about me resurrected yet, is because they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. It was that whole idea of they were going to go bring the mission of of Jesus on their own without the presence of the Spirit. And Jesus is like, if you want to be successful in reaching the lost and broken people, you have to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. We have to let the Spirit move in people. It has to be the Spirit who does the work. And so I want to spend the rest of my time talking about okay well maybe some of you in this room have not experienced the holy spirit before and i want to encourage you and and let you know the holy spirit's ready for you he's excited to enter your life if if that's something you're willing to do and i want to talk to you about how to receive the holy spirit and some of you guys in this room are like well that's not helpful for me i've already i'm already a believer i've already received the spirit I want to give you some insights on how to receive more of what the Holy Spirit has to offer you. And the good news is is both principles are the exact same, whether you need to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time or you need to receive the fullness of what God has for you. The same principles apply. So point number one, let go of your fears and misconceptions about who the Holy Spirit is. Two weeks ago, if if you guys are part of community group, uh, of any community group, one of the group questions we had was do you have any misconceptions about who the Holy Spirit is or do you have somebody told you something about the Holy Spirit that is like a common misconception that people have? And I honestly was like kind of even laughing at some of the answers because they sound kind of crazy and I just wanted to share them. Um, the first one was just we shouldn't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's, we don't fully understand the Holy Spirit so we probably shouldn't talk about it. Um, number two, it's the Holy Spirit is something mostly Pentecostals focus on. Like, that's a Pentecostal thing. Like, they're holding snakes and scorpions and stuff, and they're believing in the Holy Spirit. Good for them. But that's not for me. Uh, another one was, um, I, don't think Jesus, I, I don't think the Holy Spirit really works in my life as an individual. I see him work as a, like, collectively, but I don't always see him work in my life. The next one, somebody said, spirits are related to Ouija boards. And I'm not super into Ouija board stuff and spirit stuff. So I'm going to leave that aside. But the whole point I want to share is in that last verse that we read, he said, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know that if God has something in his word for you, it's good for you. If God has something in his word set aside for you, it's good for you. And it's, it's something we need to pursue in fact, the Bible puts it this way. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so I want to just start off this whole, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? By just saying, let's start off on a fresh page mentality, where we say, you know what? I have all these thoughts about what the Holy Spirit is. I'm just going gonna, gonna to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to read scripture for myself, and see what the Bible actually has to say about the Holy Spirit. And this is something I'd encourage you to do with your spouse or with your kids. Just read some scriptures about the Holy Spirit together and say, well, what does that really say? and What does that really mean? You guys can have wonderful conversations together. So point number one, let go of your fears and misconceptions. And point number two, if this is the only thing you get out of my message today, please hear this. Ask God to give you all that he has for you. Some of the people in this room who are, are, who are Christians, they say, man, I know that God's with me. I know God blesses me. But I want you to know God has something more for you. He's got more for you. He's waiting to give you more. And he, he, I, I believe that if we just ask him to God, just give me some more of who you are, he's going to take us on some amazing journeys. And th- please write this passage down on your phone or in your notes, because this is going to be one we talk about in community groups anyways. Ezekiel chapter 47 Verses three through five, it says, as the man went eastward with a measuring stick in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Hear this, some of you people who in this room who would identify as a Christian are in the water. You say, say, man, I am a follower of Jesus, I am saved, I will spend eternity with heaven. But some of us as Christians who would say that are in ankle deep water. Some of us Christians are going to go to heaven with a broken marriage, depressed and addicted with a bad attitude. It's possible to go to heaven that way. And what I'm saying is God has more in store for your life. He wants you to go from ankle-deep water to knee-deep water and say, man, I'm, getting, I'm growing deeper in my relationship with Jesus, and then from knee-deep water to waist-deep water. Just to go deeper in your faith with him, that's what he's calling us to. And so I would first ask you this question, where would you say you're at in this spiritual river? Are you just living ankle-deep? Are you just coming to church? and? live in your everyday life every other day after that? Are you spending more time with Jesus during, on a daily basis? Like what, what are you, That's why this church, we care so much about you joining a team and serving. That's why we preach, attend one, serve one. That's why we want you to join a community group. That's why we want you to tithe. That's why we want you to go to core. That's why we want you to get baptized, because we believe these are principles that are going to help you go deeper in this spiritual river. It's going to help you grow in your faith. In fact, I actually talked to um, somebody who told me, man, I honestly sometimes would rather be out serving than in the church because I just love serving so much. I believe that when we commit to going deeper with Jesus, it's going to change us. But hear this. Those first three, first three measurements, the first one was ankle deep. The second one was knee deep. The third one was waist deep. In all three of those you're still connected to the ground. You're still connected to the ground, and it's it's what it, what it's saying is is you still have control of your life, and you're saying, God, it's like praying, Holy Spirit, enter my life, but behave yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's kind of the prayer we're praying is, God, I'm letting you have some control, but I still want to have I still want to have my my say in it, and it's not until that fourth moment where he goes into the middle of the river and he can't touch anymore. And the beauty of that is that the river takes you wherever it wants you to go. If you jump into the middle of that river, God's going to take you wherever he wants you to go. If you just keep taking steps forward, you're going to get to that point where Jesus is totally in control of your life. And here's why this is the beautiful thing. A few verses later, Ezekiel 47 verse 9 swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And please write this down. In the center of the river is where everything lives. In the center of the river, when you're totally surrendered to Jesus, that's when your marriage flourishes. That's when your life is changed. That's when you say, I was addicted, but I'm not anymore because I'm addicted to following Jesus now. I'm addicted to following Jesus now. I'm not, I'm not worried about my finances because I know I have a, a provider. Like that's in the center of the river is where everything lives. That's where freedom is. That's where life change happens. That's where we find our true life, in the center of the river. And I'm not asking you guys today to just go from ankle deep to center of the river life. That's not very easy to do. What I'm asking you to do is just take a step and ask yourself today, how can I go from ankle deep to knee deep or from knee deep to waist deep? How can I take another step today? And maybe that next step for you is just raising your hands during worship. The Bible says to raise your hands and shout out praises to Jesus, sing your praises to Jesus. Some of you guys are like, well, you don't want to hear me sing. Honestly, we do want to hear you sing. We want to see you raise your hands. I'd say the most encouraging person in this room when it comes to worship is Erin Claghorn because she's always raising her hands for Jesus and shouting praise. It's so encouraging. Come up and receive prayer during a a worship experience or after church. Let the Holy Spirit transform and change your life. And point number three, pursue an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Pursue an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, and let's leave this verse on the screen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I love this verse because it's got all three members of the Trinity mentioned. It's one of the only times. And it starts out with the grace of the Lord Jesus. We can't get anywhere without first remembering the cross of Jesus and what that represents in our life. And because of the cross of Jesus, we get to experience the love of God. And the only way we can do that is through the fellowship, the connection of the Holy Spirit. And what that verse is saying is this. If you're in fellowship with Jesus, if, if the, or with the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is your best friend, and you're spending time with the Holy Spirit every day, you're going to experience the love of Jesus, you're the love of God. You're going to experience more of it in a rich and refreshing way. Pursue an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, it's going to do three things. These are three points, but I'm just going to zoom through them. Number one, when you pursue a friendship with the Holy Spirit, he will convict you. And I'm not saying the word condemn you. He's not here to condemn you. God always approaches his children with love. He's He's here to convict you in the most loving way possible. The Bible says this. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, and he'll do it in the most loving way. He'll say, hey, let's, let's step out of this area and step, in, and step into surrender and step into freedom. He's always pointing, pointing you to something and not pointing at something you've done. He's pointing you to, not pointing at. He'll, he'll convict you. He'll guide you. The Bible says when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He'll say, man, you're spending time with me and I love this. As you continue to grow with me, there's freedom from this addiction. He's talking to you about things that are to come. There's freedom. There's, there's a better marriage. There's a better relationship with you and your, and your child. There's better community. as you continue. He's telling you things that are to come. Another verse that talks about Him guiding you, I like this verse, because it's kind of straightforward. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, He's always guiding you. And number three, He'll be your best friend. He'll be your best friend. Bible says, and I will ask, this is Jesus talking, I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, just like the word Holy Spirit is kind of confusing to translate, that word advocate is pretty hard to translate. So if you were to, you don't need to, if you were to open your Bibles, there would be a lot of different words for that word. So sometimes the word which I have in scripture is advocate. Another one says helper. Another one says counselor. Another one says comforter. There's other examples of, of, of this word, but the word in Greek is the word parakletos. And the word parakletos, the reason it's hard to translate is it's not, a, it's not necessarily talking about a word. It's talking about an action. And what that action means is when I pick up one side, the Holy Spirit's right by my side picking up the other. He's with you, and he's here to guide you and advocate, be an advocate for you. He's here to help you. He's here to counsel you. He's here to comfort you. Let's lean into that today. And I want to I want to just finish by, kind of a humorous example, but I believe it's pretty true. Um, if you're if you're married, you'll definitely know this. Uh, one of those words that it uses to describe the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and you know some of you, especially if you're married, have bought a comforter before, and the men in this room are probably like they see a comforter and they think, man, that would be super comfortable to sleep in, or to to use, you know, and when it goes time to lay down, you look for the comforter and it's not there because your, your wife has probably removed it. Because in, in terms of um, sleeping, a comforter is made to look at and not to use. And I hope that that's not the case for you with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit isn't just something you just look at and say, man, he's, he's, he's by my side, he's cool. But you don't do anything about your faith. I want to invite you to grow in a deeper, more meaningful relationship with the Holy Spirit and let him give you freedom and transform and change your life. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much. God, you, you made each one of us and you chose each one of us to be in this room today. God, I pray that we don't just come into this room and not change when we leave. I hope that we're different because we've heard your words and we've felt your presence today. God, transform us and set us free today with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit fccfamily.com.